back. Welcome, everybody, to another episode. It's been a while, um, yeah. but we're back. Uh, we've been busy with college. I just got done with finals. Uh, so we finally have time to sit down and record another episode. Um, and yeah, it's time for another episode of No Lights, No Camera, Action! Wait a second, that's not the theme song. Oh well, I guess we might as well make some movies while we're at it. Uh, <laughs> that's so I I planned that, by the way, if you couldn't tell. That was not an accident. I totally planned that as a joke. Um, but yeah, so we're going to make some movies. Um, and given our topic for uh, this uh, po this episode... These movies are all going to involve dogs in some fashion. Uh, so, yeah, um, alright, who do you want first, director, actress, or actor? Let's go director. Alright, tell me when. Now. Oh, this will be fun for you. Your director is Mel Brooks, aka Spaceballs. Um, forward to whatever the zany comedy is. Yeah. Hell, you could do a sequel to Spaceballs. <laughs> um, actor or actress next? Actress. Alright. When? Now. Your actress is Margot Robbie, aka Harley Quinn. Uh. Alright. And, um, your actor just... Let me know when. Now. Well, this ought to be interesting. Lin-Manuel Miranda. <laughs> most known for having written Hamilton. But he's also had some acting experience. He was in uh, Mary Poppins Returns uh, as the lead male. And um, According to the back, he was also, um, in Star Wars The Force Awakens? I think as a stormtrooper? Probably? Because they had a lot of celebrities just showing up as stormtroopers in these new movies. Fucking Daniel Craig. Prince Harry was originally going to have a, a, a stormtrooper role. Um, but I think either they cut it, or he just didn't have that no they definitely filmed it but i think it was like two they cut it for whatever reason anyway i'm gonna i'm gonna go the opposite route i'm gonna pick my actor first uh so my lead actor is going to be elijah wood all right uh best known for um playing frodo in lord of the rings uh, which is fantastic because I haven't seen Lord of the Rings. So, um, apparently he was also in Happy Feet, so I've got that going for me. Um, was he Mumble, actually? Who did he play in Happy Feet? I'm gonna look that up quick before I pick my 
actually while I'm shuffling my act. So one hand is going to be shuffling, which is going to be awkward, and the other hand is going to be searching up happy. Well, he's the first listed when you click on the IMDb. So, yep, he's mumble. Hugh Jackman's in that movie too? <laughs> what? I need to rewatch Happy Feet. <laughs> I remember Robin Williams being in it. Um Nicole Kidman? Wow. Hugo Weaving. Hey, Hugo Weaving plays a character named Noah the Elder. So that's interesting. Anyway, my actress is Emma Watson. Okay, so I got Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter. God, what am I going to get for director to direct these two? This is going to be interesting. Alright, for director... Who else is in this? Uh, there's an actor listed for Happy Feet that's just listed as Fat Joe. That's the actor's name. Um, he plays Seymour. What what one song? Oh, from Moana, How yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's that's gonna be a lot for Lin Manuel Miranda. Lin Manuel Miranda being in Just Dance 2018 for some reason, and then always, yeah, song that makes more sense. Yeah, he did. Uh, he he actually made a brief. He actually made a cameo in um the uh in How I Met Your Mother. There's an episode in the last season where like Marshall is on a train, like, and I think like. He's trying to get one of the babies to, like, stop crying. And Lin-Manuel Miranda raps him a lullaby. <laughs> because of course he does. And that was before Hamilton. Of course, Lin-Manuel Miranda had done rap musicals up to that point. Um, like, in, in the Heights, I believe, was his other big one at that. Well, not as big as Hamilton, but... Martin Scorsese is my director. Wow, that's interesting. Um, at least I know I'm not making a Marvel movie. Sorry, um, everyone who wanted to, uh, see a Lockjaw movie starring Elijah Wood as Lockjaw. Um, and I guess Emma Watson as... I don't know. <laughs> um, so as a recap, Jacob's working with director Mel Brooks and stars... Margot Robbie and Lin-Manuel Miranda. I'm honestly really jealous of your... This is not the first time I've been jealous of your lineup, but geez, I would love to have this lineup. Um, and I've got Martin Scorsese, uh, Emma Watson, and Elijah Wood. So, yeah, we're going to be talking about dog movies, as previously mentioned. Um... And, uh, well, yeah, well, actually, before, before we discuss the dog movies, I figured we should probably briefly talk about Golden Globes nominations, since those were recently announced. Okay, good idea. Um, 
Golden Globes are often seen as uh, one of the big um, predictor, one the the biggest predictor for um, the Oscars. I mean, like uh, all yes, every. I was trying to remember if this was correct, but yes, every every actor who won an os who who won an acting Oscar at the previous Oscars also won a Golden Globe in their respective categories. Um, Green Book won both uh, Best Picture at the Oscars and Best Motion Picture, Musical or Comedy at the Golden Globes. Um, so um, I'm gonna skip past the television ones. Um, A, because I literally haven't watched any of these shows, so I don't care, and B, like, this is a movie podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, but, so, um, we got, we've got some interesting nominations, um, for, uh, m for Best Motion Picture Musical or Comedy, we have Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Jojo Rabbit. Knives Out, Rocket Man, and Dolomite is my name. Um, for this category, I've seen two of these movies, and um, as long as I get all packed up um, by the time the screening is, I will be seeing Jojo Rabbit today, hopefully. Um, have you seen any of these movies? I have heard of most of them. <laughs> yeah, um... Well, uh, I know Dolomite is my name is on Netflix, and so, um, that'd be a good one to check out. Um, I know a lot of people, um, are saying Eddie Murphy is, is a big front runner for that, uh, as far as, uh, Best Actor nomination goes. Uh, well, not a front runner, but he, um, there's a solid possibility of, to be fair, we have a lot of really good actors potential best actor nominations this time around yeah um but that one's on netflix um and uh yeah um but knives out and rocket man are two of my favorite films of the year um knives out is so good like you I mean, both of these are so good but especially like knives out you should see that um and it got a lot more nominations than, honestly, I was expecting, because I wasn't... Because not a lot of people put it in, like, front-runner status for Oscars. Um, and maybe it won't get any Oscar nominations, but it's gotten... It's got three Golden Globe nominations, including Best Motion Picture, Musical, or Comedy. So that's something. Um, we have... Um, anyway... And also Rocket Man. I'm very glad to see that time has been kind to Rocket Man and it hasn't been forgotten to the wayside because it came out earlier in the year and was predicted as a big Oscar contender. But now, like, all these big contenders are coming out later in the year. And so a lot of people have kind of forgotten about Rocket Man. But it's good to see that the Golden Globe nominators have not because it definitely deserves some awards praise, especially for Taron Edgerton's performance, which we'll get to in a bit. Um, best motion picture drama. We have The Irishman, which I might as well say it now. Jacob decided uh, on The Irishman for our iMovie. 
Um, so we'll be seeing that for the next one. Yes. Um, we have Marriage Story, which I will also be watching eventually. I hear it's really good. My mom watched it and said it's really sad. I hear it's got great performances from Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver. Um, and that's one of the biggest front runners from what I hear. Like, that's the one that, like, that that is certainly Netflix's biggest contender, even bigger than The Irishman. Um, Nineteen Seventeen, which I believe, which is like a war film. Um, Joker, which yes, is nominated for Best Motion Picture Drama. That's a very good sign. Yes. Um, and then The Two Popes, which is another Netflix movie. Netflix has a lot of nominations this year. I mean, just among the best motion picture categories, it's got four nominations, <laughs> which is insane. Like, Netflix, like, people thought last year was going to be a big award season for Netflix because of Roma, um, but this, I, I think, I think Netflix has a very strong chance of winning best picture this year. They've got a lot of movies in the ring. Now, Ir The Irishman and Marriage Story are by far their two biggest contenders, especially Marriage Story, but still. Um, best Motion Picture Foreign Language, we have The Farewell, which I actually um, talked to uh, my godmother who had, saw, who had seen this movie. Um, it's an interesting movie. It's based on a true story. Um... Basically about a family who's like one of one of the like the grandma in the family is dying but doesn't know it. And so they're like visiting her um to you know thinking it's going to be the last time they see her, but they're not telling her this because they want her to, you know, not be all sad about the fact that she's going to be dying. Um, and this woman is still alive. Like, she was diagnosed, I think she was diagnosed, I think it's cancer or something that she was diagnosed with years ago, and she's still alive because she doesn't know she has cancer? Like, nobody ever told her, and she's stayed alive it just just sort of a story of how powerful the mind can be which is really cool actually um i might see this eventually um i know my my godmother thought it was kind of weird but um i don't know i might see it um anyway that's the farewell um pain and glory um Portrait of a Lady on Fire, Parasite, which is another big um, foreign language film this yeah. year that a lot of people are predicting will get a Best Picture nod. Yeah, I saw, I saw a review of that a couple ways ago. It seemed like an interesting movie. Yeah, and then Les, Les Miserables, which is not the musical. I, <laughs> it's something else. I don't know exactly what it is, but it's not the musical, which I was disappointed to learn. Um... Best screenplay for a motion picture. We have uh, Noah Baumbach for Marriage Story. Bong Joon-ho and Han Jin-won. I apologize if I butchered those names for Parasite. Uh, Anthony McCartan for The Two Popes. Quentin Tarantino for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And Steven 
Zalian for the Irishman. Uh, best original song, motion picture. Um, we have Beautiful Ghosts from Cats. Not gonna see that movie. <laughs> I saw the musical and hated it. Um, so I have no reason to see this movie. Uh, it looks like it hated it, so. Yeah, um... I'm Gonna Love Me Again from Rocket Man, uh, which I don't remember what that song sounds like, but uh, I'll have to listen to it again. Um, uh, Into the Unknown from Frozen 2, um, which is probably the front runner, if I were to guess. It's not my favorite song in Frozen 2, but it is one of the three songs I liked. Um... Spirit from Lion King, which shouldn't have been nominated, in my opinion. Um, it literally, like, it doesn't belong in the film. It just sounds like a Beyonce song that they just stuck in there. Well, in all fairness. Yeah, but still. Like, no, if they were gonna nominate, if they were gonna nominate a song from a Disney remake that's come out this year, I think they should have nominated Speechless from Aladdin. Um, I actually feel very strongly about this because Speechless is the best part of that Aladdin remake. It is a super empowering song, really adds a lot to Jasmine's character. And I thought for sure it would get nominated for Best Original Song. Um, but no... Spirit from The Lion King, because it's Beyonce. Um, and then also Stand Up from Harriet got nominated. Um, then we have uh, Best Actor in a Supporting Role in Any Motion Picture, because they combine the acting awards for um, motion picture, musical, and comedy and drama when it comes to the supporting actors and actresses. Uh, but for that, we have Tom Hanks for A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, who is unquestionably the frontrunner for this category, I think, from what yeah, I hear. Because right. um, he plays Mr. Rogers. Um, Anthony Hopkins for The Two Popes. Al Pacino for The Irishman. Joe Pesci for The Irishman, which is, I think, the first time I've seen two acting nominations in the same category for Golden Globes or Oscars. From the same movie? I'm sure it's happened, yeah, in, from the same movie. I, I'm sure it's happened plenty of times before, but this is the first I remember, this is the first time I've been aware of it. Um, and then Brad Pitt for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um... I've, and then we've got Best Actress in a Supporting Role in Any Motion Picture with Kathy Bates for Richard Jewell, the new um, Clint Eastwood movie. Um, Annette Benning for The Report, which I hear is really good. That's an Amazon Prime original. Uh, Laura Dern for Marriage Story. Jennifer Lopez for Hustlers. Uh, and Margot Robbie for Bombshell. Uh, we have Best Actor in a Motion Picture, Musical, or Comedy. Daniel Craig for Knives Out. Yes. Uh, Roman Griffin Davis for Jojo Rabbit, who's the kid. Which I... I'm very in, in, interested to see this movie 
to see that kid's performance because I actually heard from my um, approaches to film professor. He he actually just saw it, and um, he said that that kid definitely deserved the nut the nomination so i'm excited to see that because you don't see a lot of g really good child acting yeah it's unfortunate um we have leonardo dicaprio for once upon a time on hollywood taron edgerton for rocket man who yes definitely deserves a nomination his performance is so good um almost as good as walking phoenix as joker which we'll get to in a bit and then eddie murphy for dolomite is my name which again a lot of people predicted that um, we have, uh, Best Motion Picture Animated, which has Frozen 2, How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World. I forgot that was this year, wow. How to Train Your Dragon 3, yeah, I think yeah. a lot of people did. I mean, not to say it was bad, like, I'm sure, I think a lot of people loved it. Yeah, um... Yeah, there's a couple... I, I feel like a lot of people also forgot Rocketman was this year. And that's why it's been ignored by a lot of people's Oscar predictions. Uh, we also have Missing Link, Toy Story 4, and The Lion King. That's... Yeah, that's right. The movie that Disney tried so hard to market as a live-action remake of The Lion King is now nominated for Best Motion Picture Animated at the Golden Globes. And I fucking called it. I knew it was going to get nominated for Best Animated Feature. I knew it. Because it is. It is an animated feature. Don't lie to me. Like, Disney cannot pretend it's not. Um... Anyway, and then for um, Best Actor in a Motion Picture Drama, we have Christian Bale for Ford v. Ferrari, Antonio Banderas for Pain and Glory, Adam Driver for Marriage Story, Joaquin Phoenix for Joker, and Jonathan Price for The Two Popes. Uh, you can tell I'm very excited about one of these nominations. Um, give this man a fucking Golden Globe and a fucking Oscar, please. Um, and we'll be talking more about him later in this episode. Um, we have Best Actress in a Motion Picture Drama. We have Cynthia Erivo for Harriet, Scarlett Johansson for Marriage Story, uh, Sorsha Ronan for Little Women, another movie I'm really excited to see. I've been hearing a lot of positive Oscar buzz for that one. Um, Charlize Theron for Bombshell and Renee Zellweger for Judy, who, from what I hear, is pretty much guaranteed Best Actress Oscar from, from what I've heard from most people's predictions. Renee Zellweger seems to be pretty much guaranteed that, that Oscar, which I saw Judy and she doesn't give a bad performance for sure. Um... I'll talk about that movie at a later date. Um, probably, probably, like, the first... Ideally, one of the first episodes I want to do for 2020 is looking at, uh, let's, us looking at the year of 2019 in review and, like, ranking our favorite and least favorite movies from that, from this year. Uh -huh. So, anyway, um... But we'll get to that at a later date. Uh, best Actress in a Motion Picture, Musical, or Comedy. We have Aquafina for The Farewell. 
Ana de Armas for Knives Out, which I'm really happy she got a nomination because she is so good in Knives Out. She puts in a phenomenal performance and she's a relatively new actress, at least in America. She she had done, um, I forget what country she's from, um, but as you can probably tell by the name, she is Hispanic. Um, and um, she did a really good job in Knives Out. It's her first, like, big lead role. Um, her, her most, her most notable role before this was, uh, playing, I, I, a robot, I think, in, um, Blade Runner 2049. She got a lot of praise for her performance in that. Um, and she's also in the next James Bond movie, also with Daniel Craig, which is funny. Um, and then you have Kate Blanchett for Where'd You Go, Bernadette? Uh, Beanie Feldstein for Book Smart. Um, another movie I've heard is really good that I want to see from this year that I feel like is another one that's kind of been brushed to the side. Um, and then Emma Thompson for Late Night, which I believe is another Amazon Prime original. Um, and then we have Best Director for Motion Picture, which has uh, Bong Joon-ho for Parasite, Sam Mendes for 1917, Todd Phillips for Joker, which is really cool, um, Martin Scorsese for The Irishman, and Quentin Tarantino for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, so one all, I'm not super surprised by the nominations overall. I was pleasantly surprised to see Knives Out take so many nominations. Um, I'm disappointed Speechless from Aladdin did not get nominated for Best uh, for best Original Song over Spirit from The Lion King. But, I don't know, what do you think of the... No I mean, obviously, like, you've probably seen less of these movies than me. Yeah, I've seen a good list of these. But, like, I've heard a lot of good word of mouth from for like basically everything here on the list, so it all sounds right at the very least. Yeah. And also, I'm excited for what this could mean for the Oscars, because so we have ten poss we we have ten nominations total for Best Picture at the Oscars. And the Golden Globes has, you know, these them it separated into two categories musical or comedy and drama and if each each one having five nominations now if and this is a big if it is a possibility although not a huge not a an entirely like plausible one but if Every movie that is nominated for Best Motion Picture Musical or Comedy and Best Motion Picture Drama also gets nominated for Best Picture. My top three favorite movies of the year will be nominated for Best Picture, and that's never fucking happened. <laughs> so I am excited. This is the most invested I've ever been in an award season. And that's saying something, because I was pretty invested in it last year with Star is Born and Black Panther. Um, as were a lot of people. I feel like last year, I feel like the Oscars are going in a good direction where, like, 
the best picture nominations have been like movies that have been more popular and not just like weird indie films nobody's heard of um so that's an exciting direction to see the oscars go in now granted they could always fuck it up and pull another green book and have the best picture award won by a movie people didn't really think deserved it but whatever that's and i'm not gonna make predictions for Golden Globes right now, but once the Golden Globes happen and Oscar nominations are out, I want the two of us to, I mean, as best as you can, hopefully you'll have seen more of these movies by the time the Oscar nominations come around, um, we should make predictions for who we think will win, for what we think will win, what awards, and whoever makes the most correct predictions, I don't know. We'll, we'll figure that out at a later date. But I think that'd be fun to do for the podcast. Alright. Okay. Um, anyway, enough about that. Let's talk about dogs. That's, I convinced Jacob that we should do a whole episode. Obviously, we're not going to be spending the whole episode on dogs because we just spent like half an hour talking about Golden Globes. And we've also got an alphabet movie to talk about. Um, we're going to be talking about dog movies. And, uh, yeah, let's just jump right into it. I've got a list, I've got, like, a list of movies I wanted to talk about. But I was just talking about Golden Globes for a while, so, um, is there any particular movies you want to talk about first? I have not seen this. I remember seeing it when I was a kid. Sorry. I remember seeing it back when I was out in theaters, so in 2007, so like 12 years ago or something like that. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, sorry. Just time. Anyway. Yeah, that makes sense. 2007. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And then, and then, yeah, that's a movie that exists that I just yeah. to bring up. <laughs> yeah, interesting. I'm looking at the information for it now. Um, directed by Todd Holland, which I accidentally read as Tom Holland the first time. <laughs> but that doesn't work because this was 2007. Um, 
It has a 5.5 out of 10 on IMDb, a 3 out of 5 on Common Sense Media, and a 43% on Metacritic. No Rotten Tomatoes critic score, which... Oh, I, I see one here. It's 38%. Oh, is that is that audience or critics? Because if a, if a Rotten Tomatoes score doesn't... Oh, wow. <laughs> um, Josh Hutcherson is in it as the kid, which, you know, makes a lot of sense. Uh, uh, critic that says that Firehouse Dog's cute premise is ruined with an endless fart of... ruined with endless fart and poop jokes. Yeah. Long run time. Yeah, that sounds bad, right? <laughs> oh man, yeah, that's yeah. I guess that's a movie that exists. It's not on any streaming services, but uh, yeah, that's a that is a thing. Um, and then there was one that I like loved as a kid was the Cats and Dogs movie. Oh yeah, I meant the to. The one where it's like dogs and cats, like dogs versus cats, but like they're also. Spies. Yeah. An elaborate like thingy spy movie, and everyone just happens to be dogs and cats. I have never seen these movies, but I really I've want seen, to. I've seen the first one. I haven't seen the second one, although I kind of want to just for fellowship at some point. I think it's on Netflix. I think the second one's on Netflix, and the first one is on some other streaming services. Um. But yeah, I want to check these movies out, because I've heard... I don't know... I don't actually remember if I've heard good things. I've heard things, uh, I know. Um, uh, I think it's a general consensus that people don't like the second one. I'm looking at the... Sorry. looking at the Rotten Tomatoes for the first one, and it's probably not good things, but I remember it being ridiculous. Oh, no. oh gosh. Cats and Dogs, The Revenge of Kitty Galore has a 13% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's a good sign. Oh, God. What does the first one have? Uh, for an audience of 32, critics actually rated it higher at 54. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I want to check that out at some point. I had it on my list, but just didn't... I did not have enough time to watch all the dog movies I wanted to watch because there's a lot of fucking dog movies. Yeah. Um. I, I hope they do another one of these movies, like maybe a reboot or whatever, because it's a fun concept. It's a fun. It's a fun found movie concept. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that it sounds fun. I want. I definitely want to watch it. Um, I, I just remember seeing trailers for Revenge of Kitty Galore as a kid and not knowing this was a sequel. Yeah. Wait, what the fuck? Okay, I was just looking up Elijah Wood for my movie. Apparently he's a DJ. Uh, as well as an actor. Neat. I remember, I remember seeing trailers for the second one and then like, not realizing that I can't remember, couldn't remember whether I was cats and dogs or cats versus dogs the first one. Yeah. Um. Interest. Okay. So. Um. Uh. Yeah. And yeah, that that's definitely one I want to check out at some point. Um. I actually. Um. The day I 
convinced you that we should do this episode, which was a couple weeks ago. Um, I did a poll around campus, um, asking people what their, uh, favorite dog movies were. And so I, I figured I'd just go over, um, some of the ones that were really popular choices. Um, the, uh, the most popular choice, which came as no surprise to me, was Marley and Me. I, of course, remember this movie only for the fact that it was the first movie that ever made me cry. Because I saw this when I was very young. I was not ready for a, for a movie about a dog dying. Yeah, um, oh, you know what else I forgot about, uh, Elijah Wood? He's the current voice of, Sp or at least in, in the, um, he's the voice of Spyro in the Legend of Spyro series of games, which I completely forgot. <laughs> um, oh, he's also Kratos' brother in God of War 3, but he was uncredited. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yes! Anyone who is a... Yeah, yeah. He would have a lot of half-brothers, at least. Yeah, at least half... At least you would have a lot of half-brothers. I think he kills, like, all of them. Yeah, I mean... Game Grumps literally... I mean, Starbomb literally did a song talking about... How like making fun of the fact that God of, that Kratos killed all the gods and so only the lesser gods remain. Like the god of that moment when you feel a sneeze coming on, but it but it just won't come out. That's like the last one he kills in that song. Anyway, um. Oh my God! <laughs> Speaking of game grumps, I'm just scrolling through uh. Elijah Wood's uh, IMDb, and I saw that he was in Back to the Future Part 2, and I'm like, wait, who'd he play in Back to the Future Part 2? You'll never guess what his character name is. Aaron Hansen. Uh, yes, actually. His character name is Video Game Boy. <laughs> his character name is actually Video Game Boy! And now I know exactly what part he shows up in. Because there's, like, the arcade cabinet at the diner. And there's, like, the two kids playing it, and Marty is like, Oh, I remember this game from when I was a kid, because he's in the future, and it's an old game, but it's current for when he's a, he's a kid. So, yeah, he's one of those kids, I guess. It's, like, his second acting credit. Uh, the first one being a Paula Abdul music video, where he, where he is also uncredited as child. So, anyway, um, yeah, so, yeah, Marley and Me, I, I don't think there's much else to say about Marley and Me, it's a sad movie, um, yeah, um, I've never watched it since then, and I'm not sure if I ever will, um, 
And then the second most popular one, also as no surprise, is Airbud. Which, ah, yeah, which, I mean, our discussion on Airbud and Beethoven was the reason I came up with the idea for this podcast. So I feel like we've also said all that we can say about Airbud. Um, especially since it has been years since I've seen it. And it probably doesn't hold up well. <laughs> but it's not on Disney Plus for some reason. I don't know why. They've got most of the Buddies movies. But they do not have Air Bud or any of its sequels. Except for, like, Air Buddies and those ones. Yeah. Um. Oh, God. Sorry, I was, like, throwing through list of the dog movies now. Because of what? Uh, Win Dixie. When Dixie. I don't know what that is. It's a dog movie. Oh. Uh, I remember seeing it a, a number of times when I was a kid, but I cannot remember anything past the halfway point, and because it's a dog movie, I'm not sure whether or not that's a good thing. Oh. <laughs> uh. Because, because dog movies, dog movies just, like have a trope where it's the dog who dies and everything's bad at the end, like half the time. Yeah, <laughs> um... Like, if the dog's not the main... Like, if the dog's not the main character, there's a... There's a pretty chance of it then. Yeah, um... Yeah, um, and then, um... I have three, three movies, uh... I have three movies that are tied for, um the the next uh most popular uh in this poll um all of which i actually watched mostly in preparation for this podcast um so we have uh first of all 101 dalmatians which uh i since disney plus is a thing now i was able to watch a lot of Disney dog movies, um, in preparation for this, uh, 101 Dalmatians is probably the best one I watched. It's, um, it certainly aged better than I expected it to, especially after watching a certain movie, um, because I watched these in chronological order for the most part, the, the Disney ones anyway, um, and, um, I did, uh, I, I did end up not getting around to watching The Fox and the Hound just because I was not in the mood for a sad movie. Um. Um. Underworld Dalmatians is surprisingly good, like, it's, it's got a surprisingly good romance between, um, the owners and between the dogs, for, for that matter. Um. The song Cruella de Vil is fantastic. Um, the animation looks rough, but it has a charmingly rough feel to it. This was very much, like, one of the biggest, um... This was one of the biggest movies of the Xerox era, where they just copied animation from their movies a lot. And there are some parts in it where it is very obvious. Even... 
copying from itself. There, there, are, there are some animations that are reused within this movie. There's a lot reused from the Jungle Book. I think this came after Jungle Book. Either way, yeah, yeah. Jungle Book and this movie share a lot of in uh, animation uh, between the, the, the puppies and the wolf cubs. Um, and then, um, yeah, it, it's like, this movie's well-paced for a classic Disney movie because a lot of those are either really fast because they're an hour or they because they're like it but less than an hour and a half long and so they rush it or they're really slow because they had an idea for a movie that shouldn't have been stretched to an hour and 10 minutes more on that in a bit <laughs> um The only thing I really didn't like about 101 Dalmatians is in around the middle of the movie, when the Dalmatians are all kidnapped by uh, Cruella DeVille's henchman, whose names escaped me at this point. I think one of them is Horace, but I do not remember. Um, so Pongo, like, tells whatever the female Dalmatian's name is, uh, the names of a lot of these the the characters in this movie just escape me. Um, uh, but he, like, so there's, like, a chain of barking dogs that whenever there's, like, trouble in the dog community, you can, like, bark to the, the chain and, like, just bar, like, dogs will bark to spread the message all over England. Um... And so there's like 10 minutes where it's just dogs barking at each other. And it's like Jello Apocalypse actually pointed that out in his uh, every Disney movie reviewed in 10 words or less. And I didn't know what he meant by it at the time because his his review for um, 101 Dalmatians was cool style, but you spent too long on barking dogs. And I didn't know what he meant by that. And now I do, and I get it, because it's really bad. Um, other than that, this movie's pretty, pretty sweet and charming. Um, which again, I was surprised to see this one held up relatively well after watching another one that I'll get to later. Um, another Disney movie that was pretty popular in this vote. Um, which I watched last night, uh, again, is Bolt. Um, now I will say, overall, I still liked this movie, but not as much as when I liked it as a kid. Um, it is very much, like, the same story arc as Buzz Lightyear in Toy Story. Like, the exact same arc. Um, but, you know, it, it works, like, it, it's a, it's a cool idea, um, with, you know, a dog who is a movie star and thinks he's actually the character he plays on 
or on TV, not not movies, TV. Um, it's a cool. It's really cool. There's some cool stuff that comes out of it. There's some really good action scenes. Um, I'm gonna say this right now, and I made sure to write this down in my notes so I wouldn't forget to mention it. The helicopters in this movie look like penises. They they look like penises. I don't know what else to say. I don't know if CinemaSins pointed that out in their um in their Sins video, which was actually relatively recent. Um I'll have to go back and watch that again. But yeah, the helicopters look like a dick and balls, and it's <laughs> every time they show up, I'm just like, huh, there's a penis. <laughs> um <laughs> Sorry. Um. God, Miley Cyrus's voice is distracting, though. Like, it's so obvious that it's her. And she's definitely older than her character is supposed to be. And it's so distracting because she has such a... She has a recognizable voice. Um... Uh, John Travolta does a surprisingly good job as Bolt, actually. Um. Yeah, the, the voice cast is pretty good overall. Um. The, um. Yeah, I think the, I think the, the last third of the movie is definitely a lot better than the, the first and second thirds. Um, like, as soon as, um, Bolt, like, accepts, like, the moment where, like, Mittens is showing Bolt how to be, like, a normal dog, that scene is great, especially the part where he, like, sticks his head out the window of that train for the first time, or, like, the, the trailer they're in, and... His reaction is just so genuine and wholesome, and I love it. It's like so. It's it's such a Disney does a really good job at portraying dogs in movies. They really do. Like that sounds weird, but like there's another movie I want to talk about later that does a really good job at this. Um, even better than Bolt. And then the ending with those. With the freaking studio burning down and Bolt going in to save Penny. That scene is so good. And it's like, I it's a lot better than I remember. And it's like dark. And it it's really cool to see like Disney venture into that territory. Because it is a scary scene. And like... Especially, like, for a kid. I mean, I wasn't scared by it, to, to like, last night. But, like, it is, like, as a kid, you don't know if they're going to make it. Now, obviously, they make it. But, like, there's moments where, like, you genuinely, even, like, like you generally feel like they, they are in serious danger. And you, it's, ah, uh, it's... It's super effective and so emotional. Like, the interaction between Bolt and Penny. 
odds. So, like, this is the one part where I I was impressed with Miley Cyrus's performance. Um, because she she does a great job in this scene. Um, and then the ending where they lit where they reboot the show with a different actress, a different dog, and aliens is so perfect <laughs> as well. And also the pigeons are fantastic. Like the freaking like mob pigeons that are like, you know, I feel like I've seen this guy before, but I I I can't figure out where from. And then the bus like coming. Ah, oh, it's funny. It's there's there's some really good moments in this movie. No, talking about it now, like I I like this movie. Talking about it now. I like it more than when I was in the moment watching it. I was probably just tired when I was watching it last night. But this movie is really good. <laughs> now that now that I'm talking about it, this movie is really good. There are there are some parts where it kind of drags, and again, it's the same character arc as Buzz Lightyear and Toy Story, but it's still really good. Um, the other uh, one that was tied with these two, uh, 101 Dalmatians and Bolt, um, and I'm curious, um, The Adventures of Milo and Otis, have you seen this movie? I don't think so. Because I knew, like, I was like, oh, wow, quite a few people seem to like this movie, but I've never seen it. And at the time that I was doing that poll, it was available for free on Voodoo. It is no longer. Um, you can find the original Japanese version uh, on YouTube, which obviously it's in Japanese and is like 20 minutes longer. Um, but yeah, so, so basically this, for those who don't know, this movie was actually originally... It was originally a Japanese film called The Adventures of Chatran. That's um, the cat's name in Japanese. I always forget which one's Milo and which one's Otis. I think Otis is the dog? I would, okay, I'm looking at like the box art for the thing, and, and like I would assume that Otis is the dog, because like Milo's right above the cat and Otis is right above the dog, so if it's the reverse, then man, who would have criticized that it's not good. It's not good. Got in 1986. Yeah, I mean, I that is one of my pet peeves in movies. Like when, okay, I understand putting the star of your movie front and center on the cover. That makes sense. And like having two other major characters on either side of them, that also makes sense. But the names should match. I have a DVD copy of Ophelia in front of me, which stars Daisy Ridley, Naomi Watts, and Clive Owen. That's how they are listed on the top. That's how their names are listed. But the picture is Naomi Watts, then Daisy Ridley, then Clive Owen, which drives me fucking insane! Yeah, I feel it. <laughs> Building is a weird thing, but you really think that, like, more, like, Toronto would, like, account for that better. Well, now, now I need to double-check, uh... I think the cat is Milo, and the dog is Otis. I'm gonna double-check it, though. 
Um, yes, that is correct. Um, but yeah, so it was originally a, a, a Japanese film. Um, and then they basically, they cut out 20 minutes of footage and added English translation or English, yeah, in English narration and released it in America. Um, I will say visually, this is one of, it, visually, the first 10 minutes of this film is like some of the most adorable shit you will ever see. Oh. It's just, cause it's just a bunch of animals hanging out on a farm and this cat befriending this dog and it's just so wholesome. And then, it, basically, the story goes, like, My Milo, um, like, gets on, like, a crate in a river and, like, gets drifted away and Otis has to go save him. That That's the story. And, like, they interact with a bunch of other animals around the world and stuff. Um, it's not that interesting. The story, after that, after the first ten minutes, like, the story isn't... That it, I mean, it's just your basic rescue movie, um, which, I mean, isn't a bad thing. Um, the narrator gets old after a while, because his voice is the only voice in the movie, and he, voices, he also, like, gives, like, little funny voices to all the animals, and it's... It gets old after a while. I forget who 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 it is, but it gets old after a while. And again, like he 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 gets old. The story's not super interesting. I actually I was watching this late at night and fell asleep. Um, so I didn't catch the ending of this movie. So I have no idea how this movie ends. Everything's on fire. I mean, well, I think I, it, like, I read, like, the Wikipedia thing, and it was like, oh, yeah, they, they, like, meet some, they meet some, fe they meet a female dog and a female cat, and they all go back to the farm, happily ever after. Pretty, I think that's what it said? I don't remember. Um, but, um, this movie is, also has some controversy behind it, apparently, which really? actually... My my last my last girlfriend, who and won't won't be named, but you know who who she is. Yeah. Um, I believe she actually told me about this controversy because I was like, oh yeah, I remember her talking about this because she's a huge like animal rights activist. Um, and so she's not a fan of this movie because there is some controversy that um. A lot of animals were injured in the making of this movie and not treated right. Um, I don't know how much weight there is to that. I don't think anything was explicitly ever confirmed. But I feel like... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, this movie is clearly popular. And I feel like if it... If all that controversy were true, that this film would not be as beloved as it clearly is. 
or people just don't know about the controversy. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Again, I don't know how much weight there is to it. Um, other movies we want to touch on. Um, oh, good. Finally talk about Lady and the Tramp. And I'm gonna talk about I'm gonna talk about both the original and the remake because I watched the original and I watched the remake last night before watching Bolt. That may have also contributed to me not having a great time during Bolt because I had just finished watching. Although you'd think that Bolt would seem like a masterpiece compared to that one. Um, yeah, the remake's not good, but and I don't think anyone's surprised by that. But here's where people are gonna get mad. Um, the original's not that good either. It really isn't. Jello Apocalypse's review of this is, sums it up perfectly. Quoting my friend, we're 40 minutes in and nothing's happened. Now granted, shit happens in this movie, but it's so goddamn slow. Like that, I, that, the... The super iconic, like, spaghetti scene that everyone, that is, like, the thing people remember from this movie happens, like, an hour in. <laughs> and it's an hour and ten minutes. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> it's so goddamn slow. And... Which you'd think it'd be moving along at a good pace, considering the movie is only an hour and ten minutes. But no, they drag this movie story out so much. Um, Tramp is the Tramp is not a likable character, but he's even less likable in the remake. Let me tell you. Um. In the remake, he's basically just, like, more asshole-ish dog Aladdin. <laughs> like, he, he just, he steals food to survive, but he's just a total asshole the entire time. And, now I'm not familiar with Justin Thoreau's work, but he does not give a great performance as... The Tramp in the remake. The, um... Oh, gosh. And, okay. Let's talk about the elephant in the room. The Siamese cats. God, that... Oh, man. That is one of the most racist things I've ever seen in a movie. In that first... That first... The original movie? The Siamese cat song? God, it is so fucking racist. And they do... Now, granted, points to the remake. That song is not in there. Um, they do have those... An equivalent to those cat characters. Um... But they are a, a different breed of cat... They are, a, they are Devon Rexes, as opposed to Siamese Cats. Um, 
And instead of Psy and Am, their names are Devon and Rex, because that's clever. Um, and they have a song. Um, it's... I don't know whether I like the song or not. It's like... I don't think I like it. It, like, they sound good singing it. Like, I like their voices. But the song is... They're, they're just, like, breaking stuff in the house, like in the original movie. And they're just, like... It's just, like... The song's called, like, What a Shame. And the chorus is just, like, That's too bad. What a shame. Like, about them, like, destroying shit. And so it's a really lame villain song. Like, oh, that's too bad. What a shame. Like... Disney, you make good villain songs. Make a good villain song for this. Like, at least it's not racist this time, but still. Like, that doesn't make it good. Just because something is not racist does not mean it's good. Um. Also... This movie is a whole half hour longer than the original. Does anything more happen? No. <laughs> no. God, no. No. <laughs> there is nothing else. It's just that stuff is dragged out even more. And there is... Oh, gosh. There are a bunch of terrible jokes. Like, they clearly wanted to try to add some humor to this movie because every movie's got to have comedy these days. Um, but every joke just falls completely flat. They turned the dog catcher into comic relief. Um, in fact, I believe he's played by, um... <sighs> Fuck, I forget, I forget the actor's name. But now that I'm thinking about it, I believe he is the guy from The Amazing Spider-Man 2 who, like, works at the gas station and gets ex really excited when Spider-Man shows up. But, like, spy but like Peter is sick and isn't having any of it. <laughs> like, he's that guy? Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's that guy as the dog catcher. I believe it's the same guy? Um, it's, yeah, um, but he, oh my god, he's so unfunny. He's so unfunny. They're, like, clearly trying to make him comic relief, but he's so unfunny. Um, Thomas Mann and Kiersey Clemens play ladies owners the the darlings and they look way too young in my like i always imagined them being like much older than that well not much older but like probably like 10 years older now granted thomas mann is older than he looks but i'm just like i associate him with barely lethal which came out like five years ago and he was a high schooler in that now, obviously, he was not a high schooler at the time that movie came out, but... Uh, 
Adrian Martinez, one of the dog guys, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, God, he's so unfunny. He keeps repeating this. It's very clearly supposed to be funny. Like, they're repeating it trying to be funny. Um, but, like, every time he talks about Tramp, he's like, This dog is mangy and dirty and dangerous. And he says, like, that... He says that, like, three or four times throughout the fucking movie. And it's not funny the first time, and it's not funny when you repeat it. There's also a lot of fucking lines that are just repeated in this movie, like, throughout the course of the movie. Like, Tramp has this whole thing about how he's like, I'm free to be by myself with, like, I'm free to be by myself, like, so... Forget what the fucking line is. You'd think I'd remember it considering they repeat it like five fucking times in the movie. God, I hate... God, this movie's bad. Oh, you are correct. He does play that cashier Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah, that's him. That's him. Uh, <coughs> Tessa Thompson is Lady... And, God, the cast... They got they had a really good cast for this movie, but just wastes them, honestly. Like, Tessa Thompson, a.k.a. Valkyrie? Like, she does not do a good job as Lady. Um, Sam Elliott's probably the only performance I enjoy. He plays Trusty, um, the Bloodhound. Um, he, his performance is pretty good, um, but it's a waste because it's Sam fucking Elliott. He was nominated for an Oscar last year, and now he's playing Trusty in Lady and the Tramp. What the fuck? <laughs> um, sorry. Um, <laughs> I just really do not like this movie. Um, they gender swap Jock, which, I mean, cool, but also, like, still just... Jock is, like, the Scottish terrier with the Scottish accent. Now, granted... I, I was a little concerned with that character, but they, it is a Scottish actress playing her in this movie. I don't know if we can say the same for the original, but it is a Scottish actress. Um, Janelle Monet is another completely wasted actress in this. Now, granted... Her voice is beautiful in the He's a Tramp musical number. Um. Which, I mean, wasn't a good, wasn't a great song in the original and isn't a great song here either. Um. But she's another phenomenal actress that they completely waste. Uh, Benedict Wong, aka Wong from Doctor Strange, plays a bulldog and he's also painfully unfunny. Like, they're trying to make him funny, and I, it just was not funny at all. Um, yeah, no, they don't add anything to the fucking... I hate Tramp, as I've mentioned before. And I'm, I'm talking a lot about the remake. Like, people are saying, oh, well, obviously the remake's gonna be bad. But here's the thing, the original is bad too, and they could have improved it with this remake, but no. I'm actually not sure which one I like less. Because they're, because at least, 
at least this remake is trying to it, it's trying to do some new stuff like there there's like just little things that are changed there's little things that are changed in the remake um uh but the original one is again racist first of all I mean, it's just that one part, really, but still, that's not excusable. Um, yeah, it just... All the humans are assholes. Like, these... Like, the Darlings should not own a dog. Like, they're... They own Lady, and, like, they should not own her. Like, she... She's so mistreated. Her aunt, like, like the aunt who's played by Yvette Nicole Brown, a.k.a. Helen from Drake and Josh. Uh -huh. And, oh god, she's the worst human being in this movie. She, like, goes... I mean, in, in both versions of the movie, the aunt is, like, watching Lady while the darlings are out of town. And she... And then the cats, like, destroy the house, and it's blamed on Lady. Um... And so, the aunt goes to a pet store to get a muzzle for Lady. And it's just like... Why would that do anything, though? I don't fucking know, actually! You bring up a good point! Um... Because then, like, Lady, like, runs away scared with... Yeah, what, like, what the fuck? And then, like... And there's the whole thing with the baby. Now, granted, the baby is adorable in the remake. You don't actually see the baby. I mean, but all babies are adorable, so I can't even give the movie that. Um. Oh, God, and the fucking ending. So, how both movies end is a rat sneaks into the house... And is, like, going after the baby. And then, like, Tramp comes to the rescue. And then the darlings adopt Tramp and everything's happily ever after. Uh -huh. Um. There's also, like, when I was watching... When I was watching the remake, there were a lot of parts where I was like, Okay, well, uh, this happens next, right? And then I keep forgetting about plot points. Again, the plot is dragged out so much. Because I even just forgot, like, in between the rat thing and the end of them adopting Tramp, like, he gets taken by the dog catcher and has to be rescued by Lady Jock and Trussie. And I forgot about it last night when I was watching the movie, and I forgot about it now. God. <coughs> there really is just... There's actually, like, Jello Apocalypse isn't entirely accurate. There's too much that happens in this movie. It's all dragged out. And, like, there's so much that you don't remember after watching it. Like, ah. Uh. And then, like... Yeah, so this rat is, like, attacking... Like, this rat is, like... It's on the same level as the rat in Endgame and the mouse in Walt Before Mickey as, like, sudden plot-convenient rodent. Like, that should be... Like, that should be a Cinema Sins cliche at this point, especially now that they've actually 
sin to end game. I want them to... I want them to sin both versions of Lady and the Tramp and be like, this... This rat went to the Avengers Endgame school of sudden plot convenience. Or something like that. Because it's like... This is the four... Like, counting this and the original Lady and the Tramp as separate movies, this is the fourth movie I've seen this year with a sudden plot convenient rodent. Why? Why is that a cliche now? Oh, but get this, so in the original movie, the rat doesn't show up until the very end, and I hated it then because it was just like, oh, well, this came out of nowhere. But then in the remake, they set it up. The rat shows up at the beginning and shows up, like, one or two more times throughout the movie and does nothing. It's just there to set up its involvement in the end. So either way, both versions are equally bad. Ah, oh, God, I hate both these movies. I'm sorry. I know people, like, people probably love, like, hold the lady, hold Lady in the Tramp, the original anyway, in high regard, when they really shouldn't. This, like, the spaghetti scene is, like, the only good scene, and then it's not earned because Tramp is an asshole! <laughs> Ah! Okay. Oh, gosh. Well, okay. You talk about another dog movie. I need to calm down before I talk about other ones. Okay, well... God damn. Well, Balto is a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that is the best way to, like, transition after that discussion. Well, not even really a discussion. That was just me ranting my ass off. Yeah, because I don't have any movies from this category of movies. I haven't watched, like, many dog movies in a long time, so I don't have a lot of dog movies that I, like, feel really passionately about, like, anywhere near that level, so... (laughs) That's fair. Yeah. I remember it being pretty good. Uh, it's about Balto, uh, a dog who leads a a dog who helps with a dog sledding thing to bring a serum to help with the disease to an Alaskan town after. Oh, that's what that's about. I, see, I've never seen Balto. Yeah, I remember seeing it a long time ago, and then it getting brought up in a I know my my ex-girlfriend really liked it and I almost I almost chose it for B and then uh my friend Jim was like nah you gotta see burn after reading because <laughs> that went yeah. super well <laughs> Since there was the whole, since there was an actual thing in 1925 where like a dog named Balto was helping lead a sled run to bring a serum to help cure his, to help treat a disease that was ravaging a town uh, in Alaska after like the train that was carrying it like got stopped because of reasons. 
Yeah. Although, like, like the movie, since it's an animated movie, actually takes a few liberties to the whole thing. Uh, yeah, you don't you don't hear about a lot of animated movies based on true stories. Yeah. For one, uh, there is a villain dynamic between Balto and another one of the dogs that I'm ninety eight percent sure was just purely made up because hey, we need a villain. It's a movie. Let's just make one of the dogs an asshole. Yeah, I imagine that's probably not something that happened in real life. Yeah, and then, like, it's a pretty little thing where, like, it's because it's based on a true story, like, the framing device, like, the movie has a framing device where it's, like, an old lady, like, where it's, like, an old lady who, like, was one of the kids that got saved by Balto. Oh. Uh, it's, like, it's, like, tell it, it's, like, standing by, like, a, like, it's, like, visiting a memorial to Balto and, like, telling someone about the story. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And then, one thing that I just found out now, uh, so, like, in the movie Balto, there's a whole thing about Balto being, like, a wolf, like, dog hybrid. Mm. Uh, that is entirely fictional, apparently, because he was just a Siberian husky in real life. Oh. Alright, good. <laughs> it's an interesting thing to take a career liberty with. Although, because of Balto, like, in the anime movie, I now know that I knew that wolf-dog hybrids were a thing, so... Huh. Yeah. Did you hear about, um... I forget where it was, but they, like... Some, like, explorers, like, dug up in ice what they believed to be the world's first... Or, like, the earliest recorded dog. That's, like, 14,000 years old or something. Yeah, I mean, this was, like, a couple weeks ago, so, yeah. Um, alright, um, so, yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, it, just a couple other ones, I promise I won't go, like, super, um, like, I, I promise I won't go super deep into any of these movies, I just want to touch on some of these quickly. Um, Hotel for Dogs? Remember that movie? Yeah, yeah I, I remember it looked... When did that come out? Um, well, it had a Wii game that, um, GameStop wants to know if it met my expectations. <laughs> I remember, you were, you remember me telling you that about that, right? I bought the Wii game at... GameStop, and then I got an email, like, weeks later being like, did Hotel for Dogs meet your expectations? Which I just thought was the funniest thing ever. Um. I think it came out around the time I was in elementary school. 2009, so. 10 years ago. Yeah, wow, it's 10 years old, wow. I didn't even. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's about it. I know, I'm bad at correlating ages to grades, so I'm gonna say, I think. Well, I would have been 10, so yeah, you would have, I mean, you would have definitely been in elementary school, because I was. Yeah, anyway. Uh, I remember, like, liking the dog, because dogs are cool. Uh <laughs> yeah, that is the best way you could describe, like, any of the movies we talk about in this episode. 
I remember liking that movie because dogs are cool. <laughs> yeah. And also, I also think my favorite part of the movie was just like the... The yeah, that's like the one Rube Goldberg machine that doesn't give me PTSD now. Yeah, I think this movie was like super clever. Like, this was way more creative than it should have been, especially for a movie made by Nickelodeon. And I actually, like, I, I haven't watched it super recently, but I remember, like, catching it on TV, like, two years ago, and still liking it, which I was very surprised by. It's a genuinely charming film. Like, I want to watch it again. Yeah, so I think, I remember, like, their building machines, like, most prominently, because I, besides the dog, of course, <laughs> because I, at that time, like, Still not to a degree, I just, like, really like watching Rube Gold Machine type attractions work. Yeah. And then we so, took uh, physics, and that yeah, all changed. I had to make one, and then, oof. Yep. But yeah. <laughs> yep. It's also, like, also, like, I love it, like, watching, like, Rube Gold Machine and whatnot, like, you know, weird mechanisms and whatnot, uh, working, I think it's part of the reason why I like Home Alone 3. Well, I think at the time, like, <laughs> <laughs> That's a movie I didn't expect to talk about in this episode. Yeah, because it's really, like, just the contraptions in that, and the traps. Yeah. Like, the most of all from the previous few ones, because I was, like, I was a dumb little kid, and, like, all the parts of it wasn't something zany or funny going on were incredibly boring to me. That's fair. Yeah, I gotta rewatch those movies. I gotta rewatch. I gotta rewatch at least the first yeah. two. Yeah. And I'll probably watch the third one because that one's also on Disney Plus. Do you know Scarlett Johansson's in that? She's a kid in it, but yeah, Scarlett Johansson is in Home Alone 3. Wow. <laughs> um Yeah, she's like the old I think she's like the older sister of the main kid or something. So yeah, that's a thing. Um, uh, all right, uh, uh, other brief ones I want to talk about. A Dog's Purpose, another one that received some controversy when it was being released, um, but I fully believe that's all bullshit, um, because, you know, um, I, I think it was blown way out of proportion because... The fact is, that video was taken long before it was released, um, because it was take because it was a video taken while they were filming, and they, the person who had the video only released it, like, two weeks before the movie came out, which is very suspicious, like, as if you were trying to sabotage a movie for some reason. Um, and Ellen had... Ellen had Dennis Quaid on her show, and she's, like, a huge... She's another huge animal rights activist, and she fully endorsed that movie. So I like to believe that that whole thing was blown way out of proportion. Also, the breed of dog in question... For, for those who don't know, the controversy behind that movie was a couple weeks before its release. There was a video released on TMZ, which also should tell you something, because it's TMZ. Um... 
of one of the dog one of one of the crew members allegedly pushing one of the dogs into the water for like uh one of the scenes where the dog like has to go down jump into the water and like rescue someone um that the breed of dog in question also like naturally loves to swim so i think the whole thing was blown way out of proportion also, that movie is beautiful. It tells a beautiful story about a um, a dog who keeps getting reincarnated into other dogs. It's just a really sweet story. And then he ends up with the same owner at the end. Like, they're reunited, but he's a different dog. But the But he, like, manages to, like... Let the owner know that it's him in there, and it's so sweet, and it's got a really good performance, really good voice performance by Josh Gad. Um, it's a good, it's a great movie, honestly. I want to watch it again. It's a good movie. And it got a sequel, which I don't know anything about, but that's I, a thing. Uh, A Dog's Journey. A yeah, A Dog's Journey is the sequel. I think it came out, like, last year. Um, and then, um, another Disney movie that isn't entirely about dogs, like the ones we've talked about, but I still wanted to bring it up because I think this is the best film depiction of a dog, and that's Up. Like, honestly, like, Doug is, like, the perfect film adaptation of a dog. He is so perfectly dog, and it's, I love it. Because I remember, like, watching, now, I granted, I think that movie gets a lot of praise for the beginning scene alone, and people don't really talk about the rest of the movie, which isn't as strong as that opening. Well, it's a really, really strong opening. It is, yes, one of the strongest film openings ever. I'm fully convinced that that opening alone earned up the Best Picture nomination it got. I wouldn't be surprised. In the same way that the ending to Toy Story 3 is the only reason that got nominated for Best Picture. I'm not gonna get into Toy Story. I'm not gonna get into a Toy Story three rant. I just wanted to point that out. There's already another video for that. Yep, <laughs> I already have the forty minute video, and I brought up that fact in that movie to in that video too. I'm just pointing out similarities. <laughs> now, granted, the rest of Up is much stronger than the rest of Toy Story three, um, but it's like. It's not one of the greatest Pixar movies, in my opinion, but the dog stuff is fantastic. Yeah. Because it's just so perfect. It's such a perfect portrayal of dogs. Which is weird to say, but, um... <clears throat> uh... Yeah, that's the, la that's, the, that's the last one I want to talk about specifically. Um... I do want to point out some uh, interesting responses I got to the favorite dog movie.
poll. Um, because there are just some movies that either I didn't hear, I haven't heard of at all. Like, Good Boy, which apparently is about an alien dog. Like an alien pretending to be a dog, so basically Lilo and Stitch. But, yeah, but it's like one of my... Hang on. So it's from 2003. Yeah, thousands of years ago, dogs arrived on planet Earth from a faraway star with plans to take over the world. Oh my god, it's the symbi- Oh my god, it's the fucking, like, sy It's Venom! It's fucking Venom! It <laughs> now, the Greater Dane, Vanessa Redgrave, wants a report on the takeover, so she sends Hubble- played by Matthew Broderick, to investigate. When he's adopted by the lonely Owen, Liam Aiken, uh, Hubble slowly realizes that dogs have forgotten their mission. They're not man's worst enemy. They're his best friend. And to make matters worse, the Greater Dane is headed for Earth for an inspection. Wow. This is one of my theater friends... This is my theater... One of my theater friends' favorite dog movies um that's a, now i really want to see this movie because that sounds batshit insane um also i like um the technicalities some people put down uh when choosing their dog movies because some of these Technically, shouldn't count, but I counted them anyway. It's like a die-hard Christmas movie situation. Yes. Um, someone voted for Garfield. <laughs> um, someone voted for Scooby-Doo, which I guess, it, out of the ones I'm listing, counts the most. Yeah. Um, a Goofy movie is one that someone voted for. <laughs> Oh, but the funny the the one I was happiest that someone voted for was Spaceballs. <laughs> Which is why I brought up the fact that you could technically make a Spaceballs 2 with Mel Brooks for this and it would fit with the theme. Um, but now that we've got that um Oh gosh, we should probably talk about um what we're, uh, what, what we've got for yeah. this. So, um, I, yeah, I, I came up with something really, I, I, I had two ideas, and I'm just gonna combine them for the stupidest movie possible, so... Go ahead. Okay, so mine, uh, for mine, I had Mel Brooks as the director, Margot Robbie as, as actress, and then Lin-Manuel Miranda as actor. And since we're doing dog movies for this one, I decided to just uh, have this one be essentially like an extended parody of dog movies in general. 
good, like, good. A, good use of Mel Brooks. Does the dog talk? Uh, probably. All right. Cool, cool. I couldn't, like, because I couldn't, like, think of, like, who would I want to have played the dog if the dog talks, so. Uh, so, yeah, so I had director Martin Scorsese, and I apologize. (laughs) Um... (laughs) And my stars are Emma Watson and Elijah Wood. And now, here's the thing. There's a bit of a stark contrast between these. Because Emma Watson and Elijah Wood are po- are both well-known for iconic, for widely successful and popular fantasy book movie franchises. Martin Scorsese, on the other hand, is known for, like, gangster film or, like, mob films, like Goodfellas. And also there's The Wolf of Wall Street. And The Irishman. Yeah, The Irishman, which we're gonna be watching for I. Um, and so... My movie is kind of like... It's kind of similar to uh, Jello Apocalypse's ten word or less review of the Good Dinosaur, where his his review of that was Western Dinosaur Dog Movie. Well, you heard the docs. <laughs> so instead of a Western Dinosaur Dog Movie, I have a fantasy mobster dog movie. <laughs> And I'm gonna call it the Dog of Wall Forest. Um, even though that's not a game, even though that's not one of his mobster movies, it's still a play on one of his movies. Um, again, I apologize to Martin Scorsese for this, <laughs> but you know, it. So my idea is that like. I don't know, like, Emma Watson and Elijah Wood are, like, I imagine, like, Elijah Wood's, like, an elf or something, and Emma Watson's, like, a princess, and they, like, maybe Emma Watson, like, the royal family 
um, actually, like, she finds out that they've been dealing with the mob, and, uh, they have to, like, like, they have to find, figure out how to, like, pay back the mob and stuff, and the elf can be, like, the side character, um, that, like, is, like, the comic relief or whatever, um, uh, and, um, the mob boss is a dog. <laughs> that's, that's the idea I have, is just a dog, and I think we should totally make this, like, fully R-rated, and have the dog just cuss up a storm, um... And, like, actually, like, brutally, like, brutally, violently kill people. Um. <laughs> I have no idea who I would have voice the dog. Um. I, you know, you know what? I know exactly who I would voice the dog. Robert De Niro. <laughs> Robert De Niro would absolutely play the dog in a Martin Scorsese fantasy mob dog movie. So yeah, that's what I've got. <laughs> it's dumb. I know Martin Scorsese would never make something like this, but I, I'm gonna be real. The Irishman will be the first movie of his I've ever seen. So I'm just going up what I know. <laughs> so yeah, that's that part of the podcast. And now... Let's let's talk about our alphabet movie for the week. All right, and it was my turn to pick for H, and as you guys remember from last episode, I flipped a coin, and we ended up watching Her, um, a critically acclaimed movie, best picture nominated movie, uh, starring Joaquin Phoenix, of course, uh, most recently having played Joker, and Scarlett Johansson, um, and also a lot of other big names that... I was surprised. I was surprised to see, um, especially because a lot of them play like smaller roles. Like there's all these A-list actors playing really small roles, which is, was interesting. Um, yeah, I, I didn't recognize. There was a couple that I just kind of did not recognize at first because I was thinking, wait a second, they wanted to have like them for just a really small role, and then later on, then I realized, wait, no, that just straight up is them wow yeah yeah like chris pratt is his yeah. boss now yeah, i think this was actually let me think was this before guardian i think this might have been before guardians of the galaxy to be fair yeah i would yeah it was before it, it was the year before guardians of the galaxy so he wasn't like I mean, he would—he had still done Parks and Rec, but, um, yeah, I guess he wasn't as big as he is now. Um, 
tiny, though. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, he was well-known for Parks and Rec. Um, and so basically the, the plot, brief plot summary of this movie, um, is basically, um, this takes place in a world where talk technology is extremely advanced, um, and very widely used, uh, like basically technology and phones are used for everything, pretty much. <coughs> and, uh, houses, um, get this, like, basically an AI, uh, that talks to you and has a mind of its own. And, uh, Joaquin Phoenix's AI is voiced by Scarlett Johansson. And they fall in love. They have a romantic relationship. And, uh, but then at the end... Uh, all the, um, all the AIs, or, there, there's a name they use for them, I forget what it is. The OS. That's right, the operating systems. So all the OSs, all the OSs, um, like, basically start, like, interacting with each other more, and the network just grows and grows, and they begin interacting with other people. Scarlett Johansson's character ends up uh, also falling in love with some other men, um, not some, a lot of other men, like, like 600, no, no, there's not like other men, it was just other people, they were like, yeah, oh yeah, it doesn't specify, she could be in love with some women, too, Cause, yeah, yeah, cause like, you basically like, shoot something out, the voice is male or female at the very beginning, so, yeah, so, like, yeah, she, and then at the end, all the OS's leave, and, yeah, <laughs> Um, so, uh, yeah, this is, this, I, now, initial thoughts, now, I may struggle to talk about specifics in this one, because I saw this, oh, like, weeks ago, and I didn't have time to rewatch it, although, now I am wishing I rewatched this instead of watching the Lady and the Tramp remake. <laughs> Um, cause that would have been a better use of my time. Um, but I loved this movie. I thought it was an incredible, like, metaphor for our reliance on technology and how, like, we shouldn't be as reliant on technology as we are. And, um, also, like, how we handle intimacy and romantic relationships and how um like how like the issues of that because it's a genuinely like i was suspicious when i heard about this movie's concept i was a little suspicious of how they were going to handle the romance it is beautifully done like they have such good chemistry and it's, it is incredible, the, like, beautiful loves, the beautiful and tragic love story they were able to tell between a man and his phone, essentially. I, the, and incredible performances from both Joaquin Phoenix and Scarlett Johansson. God, give this man a goddamn Oscar already!
Give him an Oscar for Joker. You should have gotten it for this, but like, I I actually don't remember if he was nominated for this. Um, I'll I'll look it up. But you you talk about your thoughts about the film. Uh. Okay. So. Oh boy. <laughs> Is this the one where we're gonna disagree? Oh, gold. A, but yeah. This is now a you really liked it, I was there on it movie. Really? Okay. Yeah, because just like. I don't know. I think it's just like the genre is not for me kind of a thing. You know, that's fair. Because like, this is the first like romantic drama movie that I've basically ever just seen flat out. And now I definitely understand why I've never personally gotten onto that before. Because like, after watching it, I I don't think the genre is for me. That the, you know what? That's entirely fair. Um. Uh. And then I had a bunch of like other like random. random so, was, so that was like overall like clouding it, but then there was a bunch of not bunch, but like there was. A other things like scattered throughout the movie that just like I was not very big on like for example like basically every like scene where sex was a thing it made me very uncomfortable okay now I will yeah I will yeah no I will I will give you that I felt very uncomfortable after that scene where and I also found out the girl he's having sex with in that or like having the thing with in that scene is Kristen Wiig. <laughs> so yeah, again, a big name in a very small role. Um, but yeah, and like that whole thing with her like wanting to be choked by the cat—that was very uncomfortable. And I was like, oh no, what have I gotten us into? But. <laughs> Yeah, no, I actually, like, while I was watching the film initially, I texted Jacob saying, Okay, just a heads up, there is a very uncomfortable scene, like, eight minutes in, in this movie. And, but then I, like, a, like, a half an hour later, I was like, but it picks up from there. So, um... Yeah, no, and that's that's fair. Uh I go small things, which is like bugs because of the whole thing. Like like I understand I guess like one was like technically this would be a smaller thing, but like a piece of the, a specific component of the premise, because like I am like all aboard not all aboard. I am up for like the general premise of man falls in love with an AI type movie. Like, mm -hmm. I think it's like a very interesting like kind of movie to talk, like to have and like with ideas to discuss even if I'm not personally a fan of like the genre that generally comes up in. Yeah. Uh, I I can get bothered specifically by like stuff relating to the fact that the AI is specifically an operating system because 
why I can understand using it. Okay, I can kind of understand using an AI in general for an operating system. But why would you have the subconscious AI as an op as an operating system? That just sounds like you're trying to spell disaster. Well, that's and I think that I think that is an idea that that is like one of the ideas this movie is playing with is that like technology has at this point arguably gone too far, um, and like what we're capable of doing with technology just because we can doesn't mean that we should is I think the idea they were going for with that. I don't know. I didn't really get that specific vibe. I just got like a general sense of okay, this is a critical technology. Why are you using it for that specifically, and not like something else? Yeah, no, I, 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 I understand the argument. Um, I don't fully agree. Well, okay, the specific instance that comes to mind. The specific instance later on in the movie that comes to mind. A lot with uh, a lot with this, uh, where it's a scene later on, like towards the end of the movie, like right before, like they start having a conversation where, like, I keep forgetting his the main character. I keep forgetting his name, but he learns that Samantha has been seeing like six hundred other people. Yep. And like right before that, there's this whole thing where like, uh, like the operating system is getting an update, so it's down for a bit. But she doesn't know that, so when Samantha is responding, she just starts panicking. She doesn't know what's going on. Yeah. And, like, towards the end of that, like, the thing that bugged me the most was, like, when Samantha, like, comes back online, she says, like, the court of, oh, I sent you an email that this is going to happen. And that just bothered me. Because, like, from the very beginning of the movie, it was set up that, after fucking job, you read and go through his emails. Why would he check his emails? Okay, you know, okay, that, that I understand. That, I, I, that, yeah, now that you point that out, that part I agree with. Um, yeah, um, no, I get that, and, uh. Okay, yeah, that that is that is understandable. Yeah. Um and uh I I thought also this is a vastly less important thing to the movie overall. The video games that they showed in the movie bothered me more than I think they should have. Oh god. I you know, I was not a fan of the, the constantly swearing escort character, but he kinda grew on me. Um a, after a little bit. And fun fact, um I don't know how much research he did in this movie, but that as that swearing escort character, uh, that's the director of the movie. <laughs> that's his role in the movie, <laughs> which I I I th I think that makes me like it more. <laughs> I, was, I don't know. I was just like really bothered by the in that for that game specifically. I was just like really bothered by the fact that it was motion controlled. Like the specific way that it was motion controlled, because like it was a thing where like to move this kid, like to move the character, it's like basically rapidly tap his fingers at 
nothing in the air. Yeah, no, it didn't make sense. It didn't make sense. And And I think that's just an issue with motion control games in general, as we've been learning through the Runaway Guys playthrough of Mario Party 8. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, and then there's the bomb game, which is just... feels... Ah, there's a lot that just nebulously feels really wrong about that game. I'm just like, because, like, the premise of the game, because I could see, like, the general premise of a game where, like, you're trying like a game where you're trying to basically be a parent. Like I can see that being just like a game that exists. Yeah. Like, like everything is like the execution of that just bothers me like dramatically. Like especially like how fast everything goes. Yeah. Um what did what did you think of uh, Amy Adams's performance in the we we haven't really talked about it, but that's another like huge star in this movie and she has like I mean, she's probably the biggest role compared to Joaquin Phoenix and Scarlett Johansson, but it's still, like, a small... It's a small but substantial role. Like, what yeah. What did you think of her performance? Uh, I, I think she did well. The one, like, issue that I had with just, like, that whole role and that whole character was that I did not realize that she was in a relationship with someone else until they broke up. Yeah, I... And I, and I, was, just, and I was like, what? Uh, more specifics you have, but um, and I guess the last like specific thing that I have in terms of like stuff that I had a gripe with. Yeah. Um. I. Yeah. Again, I don't have. I. I. I don't have a lot of specific things to go into because it has been, uh, like weeks since I watched this movie. I. I do definitely want to watch it again. Um. This is. This is definitely one of my favorite... It's not my favorite movie that we've watched for uh, this uh, Alphabet Challenge, but it is one of my favorites. I think... Yeah, this is where it's going to be different. It's going to differ greatly for us, I think. Um, but um, I think overall... And again, it it is probably mostly due to a fact that I'm more of I'm more into romance than you. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's probably exactly why I rank this higher than you. Um be, because I do like romances. I I I am a romantic at heart and I thought 
This was a beautiful romance story and a brilliant commentary on our over-reliance on technology and how this can affect our relationships. Um, that's really, like, this is really going into my closing thoughts, really. But, yeah, uh, that, um, I think the performances were amazing. I did look it up. So, th this movie was nominated for five Oscars, including Best Picture. Mm -hmm. Um, that was the year that 12 Years a Slave won Best Picture. Uh. Um, and, um... So, its other nominations, it was nominated for Best Original Screenplay, which it won. Um, it uh, was nominated for Best Original Song for The Moon Song. Um, which I thought, was, I, was, I thought was a nice song. But this was also the year Frozen came out. So, <laughs> you probably could guess what won that one. Um, it was nominated for Best Production Design, which I think is valid, because they, it, the, the world was really cool to look at. Uh, Production Design was won that year by The Great Gatsby. Um, and then, oh, oh, I skipped past the other one. Uh, Best Original Score, it was also nominated for, which, uh, was won by Gravity that year. Um, so yeah, I, and I think it, I think it earns all those nominations, uh, for that year. Um, I, 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 I thought it would, again, obviously we differ and that's just because of our tastes in film. Um, but I very much liked it. I think I'd probably... As far as, like, ranking the movies we've watched for the Alphabet Challenge, um, I would rank, I would rank it, I personally would rank it above everything else except for All the President's Men and Coco. Um, I think Coco is probably my favorite film we've watched so far, and All the President's Men is the objectively best film we've watched so far. Um, and, uh, once we, once we've watched all the films for the Alphabet Challenge, we could do, like, a, an episode of the podcast where we could do, like, a bracket style or just ranking. Um, do, yeah, we'll see. Um, and then, um, yeah, and I think all the performances were fantastic. Uh, didn't even mention, um... Some of the other uh, stars in this, Ro uh, Rooney Mara plays uh, Walking Phoenix's character's ex-wife, um, and I think she she does a great job. I'm not too familiar with her work, but I think she did a great job. Uh, Olivia Wilde uh, plays a small role as a woman that he goes out on a date with, um, and yeah, um... Chris Pat is funny. Uh, he, he's got some funny moments in this. I love the setting. I love the performances. Um, I know she she wasn't nominated for an Oscar, but Scarlett Johansson did receive uh, other awards for her performance in this. 
So, um, that's good. Um, yeah. Oh, I, I really liked it, and, um, yeah, that, that's my, that's my closing thoughts, so. Uh, one last thing that I want to bring up before closing thoughts is, like, something that I just didn't really kind of like about the movie. Uh, I liked the job the main character had. Yeah, I thought that was really yeah, cool. Like, so, so the main character's job in the movie is that, uh, he writes letters, essentially, for other people to other people. Yeah, I, I really liked like, that. Because, A, the stuff he wrote was really sweet, and also yeah. it was another illustration of how we rely on technology for stuff that we can do by ourselves. Yeah. Like, I like it because, like, one, my god, that is the saddest job I've ever heard of someone having. Oh. But he clearly likes like, it. Like, yeah, he, like, he likes it, just, like, it just, like, feels sad. He's putting a whole day just, like, parenting emotion. And I think in that way, I, and that ties into another reason why I like because I think it's, like, the job, like, the job is on some level fairly good metaphor for other stuff in the movie. Because, like, he spends, at least, like, a parasite of stuff in the movie, because, like, he spends his job parenting emotions to actual people, but he can't have, but it takes a but it takes, sorry, let me uh, He spends the whole job like presenting artificial emotions to actual people, but he can't have, but he can't really express his true, genuine emotions until he meets an artificial person. That, you know, I didn't actually think about that, but that, yeah, that that just adds to my thought of this being a brilliant, brilliant metaphor yeah. for that sort of stuff. There's some more stuff with that. But I just generally like 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 that idea and stuff. Mm-hmm. Movie. Like in an unconventional job in general, like being those in movies I like because like helps like the world of the movie like feel a bit more like tangible and real. Because you can definitely like see that being like a job that exists, but it's never something that someone thinks about being a job. Yeah. So it's just sometimes like extra creativity on the part of the writers and whatnot. And I tried going to that website. It does not exist. <laughs> Unfortunately. Anyways, uh, final thoughts on the movie itself. Uh, as I mentioned before, like, I'm not super, like, with the genre that the movie's in. But I thought, like, the movie was overall, like, pretty well put together, even though I wasn't super into it. And I think... The final thought to put down right now is the thought that I had, like, towards, like, shortly after I watched the movie is, was that the movie doesn't make me feel strongly about the idea of having emotions, but it does make me, like, create human contact. Wow. This <laughs> is kind of, like, a sense of, like, melancholy and, like, loneliness. Yeah. Yeah, Wow. <laughs> That was, that was deep, and also the first part of that almost sounded serial killer-ish, Jacob. <laughs> and now if you'll excuse us, uh, Jacob is going to be watching Extremely Wicked Chucking the Evil and Vile again. Hooray!
for no particular reason. Um, uh, um, and I'm going to watch Jojo Rabbit, which isn't a joke. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, 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 it's, no, you, no, I get what you were saying, I'm just making fun of you. Um, uh, so, yeah, that's gonna be it for this episode of the podcast, um, uh, I, next episode's topic depends on when we get the Irishman, well, hopefully, like, I would hope that we're not including that in the marathon because that's a three and a half hour movie. Yeah. So we'll watch that before the marathon and have one episode of the podcast, what one more normal episode of the podcast before we do that marathon. And I'm thinking what we'll end up doing when we do the marathon is. So again, we're going to be watching a bunch of those a bunch of movies for the Alphabet Challenge just in a row um, because there are some I really want to watch that are leaving Netflix at the end of the month. Um, and what we'll probably end up doing is doing like one or two full episodes of the podcast just talking about those movies that we watched during the marathon. One or two depending on, again, how many, how many take up the marathon and... Um, how many, um, well, yeah, um, and, yeah, because, again, we usually like to talk about each film for, like, half an hour, so, um, so, like, theoretically, we could fit in four per episode if it's just that, so, like, say we watch... Now, this is gonna sound insane, but based on the fact that the movie I really want to get to is in the letter P, um, if we, say, watch, like, movies J through Q for the marathon, which is eight <laughs> movies, it would be separated into two episodes. Um, I know that sounds insane, but that might be what happens. Because I really, there's a P movie that I re, that we really should watch. Because I hear it's like one of the best films of all time. So, um, and if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, well, you'll find out eventually. Um, but yeah, next one is The Irishman for I, um, as previously mentioned. I think next episode we'll probably, uh, cover the topic of, um, how audiences affect movies. Because uh, that was a topic we uh, discussed doing for the podcast um, due to some recent events uh, regarding a movie that at first looked terrible, but now looks awesome. Uh, so yeah, we'll be talking about that. And you may know what movie we're talking about. You probably do if you're on the internet. Um, but yeah, that's going to be it for this episode. Peace. Adios. And see you.